Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's Starlover Substance with me, Scarlett. And myself, Mim. Hiya. Hiya, Mim. How are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm all right. I'm not bad. Yeah. I'm sat here like, <laughs> obviously, our listeners can't see me right now, but I have this uh, black headscarf on. And then every time I put these white headphones on, it's really giving me like Craig David Born to Do It vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that but as soon as you said it you literally could actually be a fancy dress for you yeah it? yeah I'm Craig David but not the um Keith Lemon one spare me <laughs> the authentic one yeah the real Craig David yeah um <laughs> how are you yeah I'm not too bad I'm not too bad I, I got my jab on Sunday number one jab oh yeah oh, one yeah. step closer uh yeah, it was a bit of a fluky, they had too many left over, but that sort of perked me up on the path to that. And I haven't grown a tail yet, so... Good, all you know. good. I mean, you could still pull off a tail, so no, it's not all bad. So my, my sister-in-law was like, what happens like if we do all just have like a really ridiculous side effect from all of this? And I was like, well, the scientists will just have to get working on a cure for that. Like, <laughs> we'll hopefully all be in it together. Uh, but, yeah. So what is your fashion story this week? So my fashion story is, it's a bit of like news, fashion news. But I don't really have many answers for you, to be honest. But Naomi Campbell today, (gasps) at the point of recording, has announced that she is now a mother. Yeah. Yeah, out of nowhere. I mean, I I follow her and I know, well... this is me speculating. Obviously, I don't know the woman, but I think she either adopted this little girl or it's through surrogacy. Nothing's actually been announced as to how she came to become a mother. Mm. But because well, she announced yeah. something like five years ago that she had everything in place to become a mother. Really? There's some I saw that as a headline that went alongside it. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I think it's very interesting. And I think it says a lot about, um, I think over the past couple of years, obviously Naomi Campbell is massive, had like a historically big and long career in the fashion industry as like one of the biggest models. Um, But I really feel like over the past few years with her like YouTube channel and Mm. her like social media presence and stuff, she's become more into the spotlight and it's almost like she's had more gigs and more jobs and things. And it's, it says a lot about being 50, being at a new phase of your career, a new phase of your life, having achieved everything. And 
then just being like, right, when everyone Bam. else is winding down, <laughs> I'm ramping up. Yeah, yeah, good for her. I also think like she is a bit in the spotlight because I think we have this real sort of like, um, like penchant for like that supermodel era. You know, mm. I think I think it may like, yes, there's sort of, I mean, it's not even the heyday of like a Gigi and a Bella these days. Like I couldn't tell you who the it model is these days. You know, like I guess it it's not helped that we haven't had a catwalk show. But we sort of like, I don't know if Instagram's killed the supermodel. So like, yeah, it's sort of, I think there's been a real like appreciation for the likes of a Naomi where you're just like, I'm a nosy lady. So I want to kind of know, Mm. you know, I'm guessing she didn't carry the baby. So like, did she have a surrogate? How did that work? Mm. You know? I want to know all the details, but I don't know if we're going to get that. Mm. No, she's quite a private lady. Especially with her like love life and her family sort mm. of life. I think she's, yeah, she's an oversharer in other ways. Didn't but. she like date Liam Payne from One Direction for like a hot minute last year? Oh, I think that, that wasn't last year. Or two years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was like two years ago. I don't know if that was real. I hope not. She did date like, Skepta though. I feel like she would have eaten him alive. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think that was just kind of made up to be honest. I, I think so you have to you sake. have to be a a particular kind of person to a not not bore her. I feel like she'd get bored of you really. I feel like she, she'd be rolling her eyes if your story wasn't ten out of ten. <laughs> she'd eat you alive. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think he was power to one. her. Oh man, <laughs> terrible. So, yeah. What is your fashion story? So my fashion story is that a girl that I used to live with at uni has just got married, I believe in Egypt. And I will, I'm convinced her dress was Ellie Saab. <gasps> and if it wasn't, I think I have a feeling her sister wore Ellie Saab, but it just made me re-fall in love with Ellie Saab. So for context guys at uni, that at uni at school, that was like Mim and I would just be like, it's mm. Ellie Saab show day. Like this is this is the king. <laughs> She's a king of couture, and oh, I just made me think, what what organ do I have to sell? Yeah, to I mean, you got Ellie two Saab. kidneys. I know. What I hear you only need one. <laughs> so maybe give some blood, um, some platelets. <laughs> I don't um, think that goes very far on the black market. Blood, it's <laughs> pretty cheap. Um, Might not be these days. Hey, you never yeah. know. <laughs> but oh, it just it just made me re fall in love with Ellie Saab and yeah. just just the beauty of it. I think you could spot sort of Ellie Saab a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're super chic. I might post a fit, picture if um, uh, don't know if you can if you block yeah. out her face or something, or maybe yeah, ask I might block out her face or something like that, or find like the equivalent online. Mm. But. It also just reminds me of the fact that couture and or at the very least very high fashion bespoke fashion that we see on these runways are to be worn and to be lived in and to be bought by real people. Mm. I mean, most of the time, the only chances we get to see it on people is if it's been gifted or it's just been loaned to a celebrity or an actress or an actor or something. And it's like, no, these people who we see it on 
are not the ones propping up these brands. They are literally the walking advertisement for these brands. They are for people who are getting married, who are celebrating big events in their life or other people's lives. And it's like mind blowing that someone's either gone into an Ellie sub store or like seen something on the runway and been like, that's for me. That, that, I'll have that. Put it on yeah. my card. It's insane. Yeah. And especially that's not in like, I mean, the, in this crazy leagues, like I watch a lot of Real Housewives and like I, you get it more in that circle mm. when they're talking crazy money. But yeah, it just make, it makes you remember that like, I guess it is, it's meant to be somewhat approachable in in some ways. I mean, approachable. I guess not sure. <laughs> I guess not sure. Yeah. But we have to remember that, yeah. Um, one day, one day, one day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that Chanel bag, <laughs> and that <laughs> Chanel suit. Yeah. So this will mean I'll never get a house deposit, but I'll look great on my wedding day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... We interrupt this broadcast to remind you go follow us on Instagram starloversubstancepod shoot us an email starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com find us on YouTube find us on Twitter we've got all the links on our Instagram you know what to do But anyway, our topic this week is not so frivolous. Um, After we asked you guys for some requests on topics, um, someone mentioned talking about how the fashion industry um, sort of favours a one-size mould of life or kind of, yeah, we have to all conform to the fashion the fashion sizing system yeah so we thought we'd talk a bit about that really yeah so it was it was a really good question I mean it's it's one of those topics that have been brought up a lot that one size fits all have to conform to a particular look and stuff this sort of topic has been touched on so many times before by so many people but we wanted to give our like two cents and how we approach the topic and how fashion contributes to that and how much fashion really contributes to the the ideal that we see nowadays um as it's not the same as it was like 10 20 years ago and we still think it's a really relevant conversation but it's a way that we are hoping to approach it in a little slightly different way I suppose yeah definitely and also I I actually think that in in the last few years we've made the most progress with it than we have for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's way more, I know like the terminology, I'm probably not going to get super right, but it's whether it's body confident, whether it's girls who aren't a stick insect, basically being influencers, Mm -hmm. like whether Mm -hmm. it's that, I don't remember seeing that a while back. It was always just girls who were conforming to sort of a pretty standard. You could line them up in a row and they'd all look quite similar. You know what? You've really touched on a really good point so early on. And I think for such a long time, the reason that we saw 
fashion promoting a certain way or we only saw a certain image within fashion is because we had gatekeepers and like Vogue in particular mm. we're just going to talk about like Vogue in this sense but there's so many other examples yeah um because it's like one company owns like most of the magazines but you had these gatekeepers who said yes and no and who could be part of the club and who couldn't and who could be a model and who couldn't and now we oh, social media is brought up again but social media it's like you could have your own youtube channel your own instagram and just flaunt what you've got and people that will resonate to people who are just normal bog standard like bog standard in a good way like it's not a, it's not a, a negative thing to be bog standard but other people can like see your image and resonate with that and i think that's the biggest thing that's brought about change in recent years yeah, absolutely. And it it's sort of come from a lot of the movements that happened in the last year of like, where's everyone's representation? Mm-hmm. Whether that be skin colour, whether that be size, you shouldn't have to go to like, I think the shop's called like Wallace, like plus size clothing, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous that that's sort of still a thing. And there's also loads of like naysayers who would be like, well, that costs more, that should cost more money because it's got more fabric, Mm. you know, and stuff like that. Um, But it's also just sort of remembering that like, you know what, maybe that person's had three kids. Maybe that person wasn't born with a fast metabolism. And Mm. maybe that person just likes to have her pudding, you know, and like the rest of us have all been taught to be like, oh, I shouldn't, oh, that's naughty. And maybe they've got the right attitude of like, yeah, I want some chocolate cake. And yeah, yeah, I will have a cheese board and like are living their best life. Yeah, it's about recognising different people at different stages of their lives with different experiences and different ethnicities, ages, genders, whatever, and just recognising people for who they are. We do a much better job of that now. Um, But... Yeah, I think that it all feeds into the idea that if you're going to sell something to someone, you got to sell them the ideal. The thing that they are not, that they could possibly aspire to, is like the crux of the issue. So it's like most people aren't, you know, really slim. And if you're really slim, well, you could either be slimmer or you could either have a better figure, which means you could have like bigger boots. More tone. More tone, less cellulite um a nicer face better yeah, hair exactly smaller the, nose the ideal bigger eyes <laughs> yeah there is no limit to things you could potentially change and it's like through that we're all aspiring to be a certain person and through that like live a certain lifestyle mm, but for sure I think for what sure. fashion does is at the very least it's like you might not have all the money that you need to have like the big house the big car the this that but if you're fashionable enough and you have enough luxury on your arm or something like that you can at least look like it you can at least like fool yourself and others around you into believing that you're this cool suave stylish potentially wealthy person and I think that's fashion's role in it Yeah, for sure. And I guess it's a really tricky one of like, there is, there is a body shape that's small and slim. 
mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so you have to represent that as well there are people who struggle to put on weight and are just naturally a size six and just naturally super slight and so like why can't can't those people be represented too like some of those models that's actually their size and mm-hmm. they're not you know depriving themselves of stuff like that um but yeah I guess it's it's more a case of representation um and all of that stuff but I guess we should sort of go back to why why this sort of skinny frame mm-hmm. has become the thing that it's become because we've obviously had different idolized figures over the years like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is to sort of look at back and it's you know Marilyn Monroe was once the most beautiful woman in the world and that's yeah. not the figure that was idolized in the 90s um I would say we have the Kardashians to attribute with a curvier figure being more accepted and attractive, deemed attractive now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then we went the 1920s, it was a flat boy figure. Then we sort of had the new look where it was great to have a waist and hips and boobs. And if not, the new look did that for you. And then again, it went back to the 60s and it was that stick figure with Twiggy and all of that stuff and then I think curvaceousness became a thing again in the 70s and 80s but for our generation so we're both 90s babies the 90s was the birth of like this real drug-fueled anorexia Mm -hmm. like it was cool to look ill kind of like and in the uh, 2000s as well when we were kind of like coming of age definitely And so Kate Moss was a big part of that. And before any Kate Moss fans think I'm attributing (laughs) any complexes people have, I'm not trying to pin anything on her. But it was said that because of how slim she was, she set a new standard Mm. for supermodels. And also she's attributed with that quote, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. (gasps) Yes. And oh I, I know at times when I've been younger, I have heard that in my head of mm. like, you know, when you're sort of like, oh, uh, and you're like feeling a bit bad about yourself. You're like, oh, nothing tastes as good as skinny feel. Yeah. At least I'm going to look great. I'm not going to look bloated or something. If yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I think that like Kate Moss era, it was it was so part of that like rock and roll lifestyle it's like you could look a bit haggard and you could look like you hadn't eaten in days and you look like like before recording we were talking about how like hello magazine and you know these tabloid magazines and you would see constantly um so this is not even fashion magazines but it was all part of the same thing it was like you would see celebrities models whatever coming out of taxis drunk high whatever rock and roll partying all night and they had quite clearly eating disorders and you saw those images all the time and it became kind of normalized in a way and then it was reflected on the catwalks because Kate Moss and the likes of them were also walking on these catwalks looking very slim very skinny it was like their diet was just drinking drugs yeah you know yeah yeah. and that's how you keep your figure essentially um so yeah what you said about that the idea of being skinny although it seems like 
that is the ideal fashion pushes. It hasn't always been the case. Mm -hmm. These things swing and roundabouts and they come and they go. And we lived in a time where being a lot skinnier was the ideal, like size like four, UK four, six was like the thing. And now it's different and we see different ideals that are kind of being introduced for better and for worse. I think now we see like the splitting of more normalized body shapes, but also at the same time, more extreme body shapes that don't happen in nature (laughs) for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I think the positive thing, I'm like, you said a bit about Vogue. I'm using the Kardashians because they're the easiest cultural (laughs) reference. Yeah. But like, okay, it's great for people who naturally have big bottoms Mm. or whatever to be represented but their figures aren't natural. They Mm. get help, whether it's surgery or not. They get someone who helps sculpt their body. They pay a lot of money to make their boobs still perky. Hello, like Kim's had like what, four kids and her boobs, she can wear no bra. Mm -hmm. Like that's not normal, you Mm. know? No one over the age of like 40s boobs should sit that perky, you know? Mine (laughs) certainly don't and I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, Like, so it's just (laughs) even little things like that is the fact that they've paired this tiny waist, these really thin limbs with Mm. these giant bums and curvy waists, which naturally would have got smaller. And so then that also means that someone who is more of like a straight up and down shape Mm-hmm. is then going and getting bum implants and it's like having this negative effect and the problem is is that we the way we're meant to look at it is oh this body's being like represented not like mm. I'm meant to look like that it's meant to be that there's a spectrum and everything's beautiful mm-hmm. but we sort of lack a lot of the in-between mm-hmm. um, which hopefully is something that will sort of be made up over the years that there isn't just from Kate Moss to like Kim Kardashian yeah you know like there's someone who might be pear-shaped there's someone who's like you know got big legs but a tiny top like I don't know I think I, that it's it's problematic that I think we the just question, aspire to be someone mm, no I agree I think that the problem comes when if you're a fashion house or whether you're a big fashion house or like you own a small brand yeah we can talk all day about be be who you are embrace all your flaws and who you are as a person and blah 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 blah. but let's be real every time each and every one buy of us buy something we're thinking of how I'm going to look in the future on holiday how I'm going to look in the office how I'm going to look at my wedding it's always like we're projecting image of how we want to be and who we want to aspire to be yeah I think of myself as I am as a person now but a more elevated version of myself if I were to buy yeah. this these pair of in jeans, the future. if I were to buy this top, this coat, I would be a better version of myself. And so we it's very easy for us to blame to blame maybe other things, fashion and whatnot. But I think it's very hard for us to fully let go of the idea that we do want to idealize ourselves. And fashion is so such an easy way to do that. For sure. And actually that touches on fashion is trying to sell you a dream, but I'll ask you, do you think that dream and that fantasy comes more with expensive items? Um, 
or is it more of like say a daring purchase of like you wouldn't normally wear that so like Mm -hmm. I'm saving that for like you know because like you mentioned holidays like I would I wear different stuff on holiday than I would wear in England yeah I know I I I do the same thing as well because (laughs) a temperature b why not you can be a different Mm -hmm. sort of person in the sun I don't know um yeah do you find that that sort of is in correlation oh I don't know oh I think obviously the more money you have the more options you have but I think but for you to that... spend if you spend more money on something I mean so say it's maybe like a bit of a splurge are you then like fantasizing the best version of yourself in that yeah I think I would be I would be lying if I said no. I mean, we talk oh, about... we all do it, yeah, don't worry. I mean, we have a podcast and we talk about luxury fashion half the time and it's like, yeah, to me, an elevated version of myself is like a, it's like a wealthier version mm. of myself. Or it's like, it's like wealth, like an expensive fashion is intertwined with looking really polished and really well put together. To me, those things are like when I'm visualizing it in my head, I'm not saying it's the truth or that it's real because you can, you can spend like 500 pounds on something at, uh, what is it? Zadig and Voltaire. It's so expensive, but you still kind of look like a hobo. (laughs) But in my head, when I'm visualizing expensive luxury fashion, I am thinking it's like a better version of me. Mm. And I think with age, you kind of aspire to that more. Like when I was a teenager, like I wasn't out here trying to look expensive necessarily. I just wanted to look like maybe a bit cooler and a bit like individual or whatever. Um, But I definitely think with age, um, giving off the air that I'm not as poor as I am is never a bad thing. (laughs) I love that. I love that. What about you? What would you say to that? I definitely think when I visualise like certain outfits or like even the prospect of not even my own wedding, but a friend's wedding, or if I've got a bridesmaid's dress, I'm picturing the best version of myself. Mm. And that might be my arms looking toned, Mm -hmm. being like as slim as I want to be, like having a bit of a tan on my skin, my hair looking nice. And like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's this perfect version of myself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is very, um, is very sort of surface level beauty yeah you know yeah um but I also think that comes with I know what I like in myself I know what size I naturally well not even it's probably more on my natural weight I know what size (laughs) I would like to be I know when I look and feel nice that kind of a thing um, but yeah, it's all superficial and very superficially driven, but that's why these industries are as huge as they are. Um, but yeah, and also we've got to remember that one of the biggest issues is that fashion comes in sample sizes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And that's got to, that's got to be a size, you know? Mm. And the problem is that models tend to be on a smaller size. So the samples have always been on a smaller size and so then that what that means is that other people we see in the spotlight, such as celebrities, actresses, singers, if they want to wear these samples on the runway mm-hmm. and not pay for a dress, mm-hmm. they best be that size. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was like um with the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal as well his mm. wife owned Marchesa and Marchesa were known for their like evening dresses oh, and, beautiful dresses yeah it was a really successful brand but I mean he helps he helped his connections and the fact that he was putting all these gorgeous film stars in his films and then they were made to wear Marchesa down the the red carpet I mean they had to make sure they could wear her dresses whether they liked it or not like they had to they were kind of made to fit into that aesthetic and that size even when it was promoting a film that had nothing Mm. to do with fashion so that whole sample size thing is yeah it was a it really does influence like trickles down to all of us Absolutely. And also, like, you, I saw this Blake Lively interview. So that's the, do you know who Blake Lively is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she filmed, like, a film where she was mainly in a bathing suit. I actually don't think I've seen the film. Um, just, like, I think maybe five months, six months after having a baby. And she got into, like, really good shape. She's got an incredible figure as it is. Mm, yeah, she does. But she could have maybe had a bit more of a poochie pouch, as I like to call it, or something like that. And she sort of now wrestles with herself that she didn't give more of a genuine portrayal of, yeah, I had a kid Mm. six months ago. Mm -hmm. This is my body. It's been through a lot. Mm-hmm. and accepting mm-hmm. that yeah. but it's that it's because there's almost like this expectation for her to look amazing or anyone on film but like that none of us want to see that and it's I think it's that's the perfect way of being like we need someone needs to break that barrier at some point mm-hmm. someone needs to be like yeah I just had a kid yeah. so yeah I might look three months pregnant because it only came out four or five months ago yeah Yeah. You know what? It's so funny you say that because when I think of actresses who have pulled off the best, like the best red carpet looks while pregnant, there's one look of Blake Lively. And I think she's in this blue dress and she's not like, she's not like nine months pregnant, but she's made it halfway. She was kind of halfway and she wore a dress because I I don't know the foggiest about dressing someone who's pregnant. I've never no. been pregnant. I yeah. wouldn't really know where to start. People tend to throw like something loose on you. Or Empire oh. Line. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> really, um, that's what they do. Empire Line and then it just flows off the belly. Um, and she wore something. It was like beaded. It was fitted. You saw the bump. And I thought, wow, like she looks incredible. I think mm. she's probably the best like pregnant lady on the red carpet look that I've ever seen. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And like, people. yeah. And I just think that like, I think we just need to take a moment to remember that A for one, women naturally will always have somewhat of a bump mm. um, where their cervix is. Mm-hmm. Um, because our cervix is there um, it's more pronounced at different times of the month it's mm-hmm. more pronounced if you're a bit bloated depending mm-hmm. on your weight yes some people have naturally like flat stomachs but I think I also saw pictures of Taylor Swift from the Grammys mm-hmm. was it the Grammys no the Brits and people posted on her photo saying oh is she pregnant <laughs> because of just this little like cervix bump Mm. and the fact that also people are saying that when in her latest documentary and I say this because let's be honest if people are commenting on Taylor Swift's pictures they've probably watched her documentaries you know like Mm. she's pretty die for hard fans that she had a real problem with weight and judging herself 
and said that in like the past that would have made her not want to eat or whatever. Mm. So the fact that people have that knowledge and then are like accusing women always of being pregnant for what is a very natural shape to our bodies. I'm not Mm. being funny. We don't point out if a man doesn't have a six pack, you know, like Mm. naturally when men get older, they don't have a six pack Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they start to actually, if they have been quite muscly, they don't tend to look that great. Mm. Like it sort of They soften up and yeah. Yeah. And there's just, there's this real like language of expecting a woman to be like in pitch perfect shape all year round. Mm -hmm. And women have just naturally more body fat. Mm-hmm. it's it's not possible it's really not and I think we just need to have more people like a Lizzo but then the problem is like that's the extreme and I don't mean that like she it's the extreme that she's like massive mm-hmm. but there's got to be stuff in between mm-hmm. there can't mm-hmm. be like a bigger lady who's like body positive and mm-hmm. then like a size six on the like the runway yeah we have to have everything in between mm-hmm. well I think we are like as we said before I definitely think in the past like 10 years we've seen more and more examples of that in between regular sizing I remember one of the issues that were brought up when it comes to catering to larger sizes was that designers had a tendency to make all like the daring cut out pieces or whatever for like the smaller girls and then when they sized it up the designs became like more boring or like more boxy or it wasn't as like yeah the style wasn't translated in the same way um and on the flip side when you are designing for someone who is bigger maybe has a bigger bust like the the bus line is going to be different it's going to have a it level can't of maybe support. be strapless you know yeah, or like, like if it has it's got to have a built-in support bra yeah like a spaghetti strap you know um so there is that like question when we talk about representing more sizes there is a question of like knowledge of how to really design for different body types as well yeah and actually this is a such like whether we conform to maybe the societal fashion sample size, but us everyday people have to conform to a clothing size. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, different parts of my body are different sizes. Yeah. So straight off the bat, and I'm not saying that there should be more size options. Like I know that's maybe not, not the solution to have like an eight be it would make like, no you know, like bra sizes yeah, there'll, it, there'll always be something that doesn't fit me perfectly I'm yeah, not expecting course. that but I think it's like you know there's all these sizes and we if we don't fit in one but then actually they're not regulated across the board there was like an Instagram post that went viral this week of like a pair of jeans from Zara maybe one from Primark and one from like River River Island or H&M and there were like three different jean sizes all the same size mm. so one That's was like a 12 why... one was a 14 one was a 16 so imagine if you're naturally a 12 mm. but you have to get a 16 in a shop what's oh, that no. gonna make you feel like no, you know? no it's not for me that's why i buy all my jeans in the same places yeah I, i'm exactly. not I, I literally shop where i know my size but and like, i you can just, you don't need to be it. you don't need to be shamed by a shop not that being a size 16 is shameful but yeah. if you want to be a certain size and also that can be triggering. We've got a nation of people. I don't know the percentage, but like anorexia and eating problems is mm-hmm. a huge issue in this country. And yeah. it has been for a while. 
that's a triggering thing I just yeah. think there needs to be more regulation maybe or stuff like that but then um, at the same time I mean these these eating disorders cannot be solved by just sure you know yeah having uh people of a normal size on the catwalk and, and like actually, things like that saying that okay so a friend of a friend mm-hmm. had a wedding and one of her bridesmaids was a bigger girl and when you asked for her sizing to get some like pajamas or something like that she just definitely said at least two sizes smaller than she is that's and not like, helping anyone it's not helping anyone so then my friend of a friend was like oh I'll just get the size I think she is but I'll cut the label out and maybe sew in the other label stop and I was like you're not helping anyone there with acceptance Mm -hmm. if you're Mm -hmm. like feeding the problem yeah but I think that wouldn't have happened had these bigger sizes been more just more accepting for sure yeah it's like it's a real it's a real conundrum and also, I think we really start having to have the main high street shops. I mean, RIP top shop, but like the main high street shops offering a wider range. Mm-hmm. It's got to mm-hmm. go past. I mean, I don't know if Zara, I mean, Zara's pretty small. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But like sizing's got to maybe go up to like 18, 20. I don't know what's considered plus size, but like, but yeah. Good. So when we spoke to Natalie mm-hmm. and she was sort of saying that like, she's obviously fluctuated during lockdown mm. and then can't find clothes now in some high street shops or whatever, when she was at the top end of the sizing. And that's just not good. Like women's bodies do naturally fluctuate as it is. And yeah, I think there's got to be something that, it's a bit more accepting about just about bigger bodies yeah especially because I guess it's pretty common that you get to a certain age and we all know the older you get the harder it is to sort of keep weight off as it is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like so when you're 60s unless you're naturally a size eight you're very slim or you've never had kids or something like that Yeah, yeah but if you've had kids if just generally age anyway like yeah you're not going to be rocking around in certain sizes. So you need options. I don't, I mean, maybe your clothes, maybe your clothes store changes at that point. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that is also a step of like helping people not, yeah, not feel so pressured. I mean, yeah. I think we're so tied to arbitrary numbers. That's the thing. Mm. When I say that, you know, obviously eating disorders is a whole, it's more than just fashion and sizes. But when we talk about, you know, Jane blogs and being embarrassed to to say what size she really is, she's doing a disservice to herself being so tied to arbitrary numbers because she's now getting clothes. It's just not going to look right on her. It's not really going to suit her and make her look the best that she can look if it's going to be too small and squeezing her and stuff like that. But I think also the one size fits all discussion really does apply to like the language that we use. You kind of touched on it before. And I think that also links to like, when we talk about fashion and colors and for way too long, we've talked about 
nude colors mm. but really what we've been saying is beige <laughs> or we've been talking about a dusty pink caucasian skin tone yeah and it's only now in the past that say three years really that we've seen brands mainstream brands um actually offer fashion in a variety of sizes to honour the actual word of nude and what nude looks like on different people. There's this brand, it's a British brand actually, and it's been around for a while. I think they went on like Dragon's Den or something. And it's called Nubian Skin. And they were like the first ones I saw Mm. on like TV or something where they made bras and knickers, underwear. I think they did hosiery as well. And they're still around. And they had like a full colour range, like from really dark skins to like, deep dark to medium dark to tans to like light tans and and so on and now we see um like christian Louboutin do shoes his like famous so kates or whatever in a different in different colors and we see a lot of like you know we've got skims she's doing yeah. her thing when it comes to nudes and stuff like that so that's all part of the same idea it's all, it's all part of the same thing i think it's just more it's taken a bit too long to realize because mm-hmm. we've also seen it in foundation shades. I mean, if you wanted to get a foundation shade and you didn't have one of the four colors yeah. that Rimmel offered mm-hmm. and like one was like zero zero porcelain, which was still too dark for me when I was younger (laughs) then there was like one that was like probably called flesh one Uh that was called like medium and one that was called dark and when I say that dark is probably the color of someone who's had a spray tan yeah um that's not inclusive so then there was nothing in us in a high street um yeah in a high street shop that was a foundation shade for anyone who basically had a complex skin tone whether that was pale whether it had yellow undertones whether it was darker whatever it was you had to go to the likes of a mac counter Mm -hmm. or bobby brown because or like a back in the day if you were darker you had to go for a fashion fair or you had to go for like iman yeah those were the only two brands that i ever knew of um it's like my mum's generation you know like debenhams used to carry i think iman or something but but it's yeah, important it. and it's the same like you said like nude lips that has mm-hmm. to come to be a nude for everyone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like and I actually really really bemoan the word nude especially when it gets attached to beige mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because again like you said like that would just be like you know just everyone being a size zero like that's it's not yeah 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 it's not I think what's what's driven all of this is that and it's it's really weird to think about it but for too long they thought that if they were offering something that more people could utilize and use and buy into then they would somehow not be making money like we can't you yeah, know the more there is to offer like the more they're losing money yeah it was like obviously it makes sense if you're offering different types of nudes to your customer base because then more people could buy into your brand but for some reason like the common thought was just like no we have to do we have to produce the most mainstream version mm. size zero the 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 porcelain skin tone version of things um because no one else no one else who lives outside of these very small 
parameters will want to buy it you know it was such backwards thinking at the time and I think that it shows now that people will spend if they have if they can see themselves yeah or see an offering for them I think that point is really important I think we've learned over all of this is that people just want to be seen they want to be included they want to be represented um but I think there's still a long way to go. Like I read somewhere that some models, if they're super skinny, get like padded out in the post-production of pictures because they mm-hmm. don't want to look, make them look too gaunt. And even some plus size girls turn up and they're only like a size 14. Yeah. And that's not technically looking plus size or translating mm-hmm. as it. So they get mm-hmm. padding in their clothing or made to look bigger in post-production. And like, we don't need to see that. And I don't know if you also saw Loose Women just posted like a picture of before and after editing. It was like, I guess it was meant to be like, accept your body. It's like mental health awareness month or whatever, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is it month or week? I'm not sure. Month. Um, month. It's been a mental health awareness time. (laughs) (laughs) But a big factor in that is, of course, photoshop and tuning and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and they sort of showed what people's bodies would look like before and after and to be honest none of it was needed Mm. we we watched telly we know what you look like so we know that if you've edited like nadia to look skinnier we know what you've done we see her every day on the telly if you're a loose woman watcher which i'm not but like you're not kidding any of us you say that but some people don't and I know it's so easy for us to be like oh we know better we know what Mm. we're seeing but when you see certain images or retouched images and things like that day in day out it really alters your perception of the world it's like when you see going back to Taylor Swift her fan base is really young and um Taylor Swift essentially she fits into every convention there is let's be honest you know um, all american girl all american girl blonde skinny long legs exactly (laughs) really rich and got some boobs she's got nothing there's nothing against her you know and you even get her small she's the closest you can get to like male white male privilege yeah yeah. (laughs) um she even her young fan base are commenting on her body and saying is she pregnant as if you know you know her body is changing in a very minuscule way and they're like they are like they clock onto that and it makes me think don't you kids have mums who look nothing like taylor swift see their (laughs) bodies all the time your mum's probably got a bit of a pouch in the front it doesn't matter your mum's probably got a bit silly like this that and the other and yet we still have generations of kids who act like they have never seen Mm. fat they have never seen roles. They have never seen saggy boobs before. You know, we've got a lot of men out there who are, think all oh, boobs are perky, some of them. And it's it's bizarre. You say that, oh, yeah, we are hip to the fact that these things happen. But there's still a lot of people who aren't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, that's so true. And actually, there's been a real craze at the moment as well, even on TikTok, of like, this is me eating in a calorie deficit like as a really popular thing I'm not in that corner of TikTok I've luckily got out of it okay (laughs) um but 
it's lots of young people and you know what yeah okay if you want to lose a bit of weight that is exactly how you lose weight mm-hmm. eat less calories than you burn off but it's also becoming younger and younger people being obsessed with stuff like that and mm. um, what I think is a real solution in the fashion industry, and it was going to happen for a while, like a while back, is a grading system of editing photos, um, which I think is really important to be transparent about how heavily edited a photo is. But then what's heavily edited? I don't know. I think they would have a grade system of like, just like um, blurred face would be like the lowest level or like then the next level might be sort of like I don't know I don't I think I don't know if that helps because but I think some people don't realize that how well people can photoshop exactly. you know like that you can give somebody a waist you can slim their legs down you can co- totally remove any spot that they've had their cellulite um there's a lot of people who don't know that you can photoshop moving imagery video yeah on your and phone. actually I'm as much as a filter can be fun on Instagram, I also know people who don't post a photo of themselves without one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are they believing that they, are they selling themselves to other people that they look like that? Because then can we blame, I mean, we can blame men if they believe that that's what people's faces look like. But I think it's only portraying that. We're creating part of this problem of looking perfect and then having this self-loathing or whatever I think we're kidding ourselves I think that's what happens like I going back to the friend of a friend who Mm. you know wanted to pretend that she was a different size for no real reason Jane blogs yeah (laughs) I think she was kidding herself in that sense I think those of us who cannot post pictures of ourselves without editing it or without a filter we're kidding ourselves because we know we don't look like that but if we don't have to face our real face online then it doesn't exist it's like did it even happen if you didn't post about it type thing you know um I I recognized really early on that because I don't post pictures of myself edited because I know I would have a complex about the way I look. I know that for sure. And there are some filters on Instagram now that I'll like mess about with and I'll film like something silly just to see how it looks, to test it out. There's some filters on that. They The editing is so slight, but it is amazing. And it a makes me look... the nose, slightly yeah. bigger lips. Yeah. Clearing the skin. Clearing Nice oh eyelashes. Yes. Yeah. And Maybe I'm just like, like pinching in the great. jaw. Yeah. Even the little pixie elf one I did most mm. recently, I was like, I look good as an elf. As an elf, I think I look better as an elf <laughs> than I do as my real self. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's hard. And actually, the only benefit I have with those filters is I have freckles, so I actually look stupid with one oh, okay. on mm-hmm. because it clears out my complexion so I don't look like myself but for people who don't have sort of freckles I can imagine then if you maybe are feeling sad about your skin and you sort of it will remove your bad looking skin or something Mm -hmm. I just think it's creating a problem like Mm -hmm. and I think I think that's ultimately as well and I definitely have before facetuned pictures back in the day I got Mm -hmm. back from traveling and I was a bit like a bit bigger because I ate like every day was holiday ice cream every day (laughs) and I didn't like some pictures of myself and I edited them and I'm just like 
who did I do that for? Mm. Because you did it for yourself. I know, but that's the problem, isn't it? That it's all fed into what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that gen. I mean, I, as I say it, I don't think it's true. I'm hoping that generations that are younger than us won't have it because we grew up with, you know, like a OK magazine or Heat circles mm-hmm. of shame on cellulite or there was genuinely a page where it'd be like plus five pounds minus seven of people who'd gained or lost weight and yeah. praising them or whatever and we're fortunate that I'm sure there's been a, a passing of of some an act where we're not allowed to speak about people like that because even the likes of the Daily Mail don't comment on women's weight anymore <clears throat> yeah um, that is that is true but then I mean, sometimes you don't have to say the words to convey the image and the messaging you're trying to put across. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it, things are getting better in some instances, but I think that fashion and the the, rap, the world that surrounds fashion is still continuing to push a one-size-fits-all for monetary gain I think even when we talk about bigger girls and you've said about plus size models who aren't really that big and they're they're given things to like plump out their bodies and padding to make them look bigger than they are we still have plus size models I can't remember her name maybe if I remember her name we'll post her but she's gorgeous she's a bigger girl she's a very successful model but even she has an hourglass figure you know, she's bigger girl, but she has the right figure. Mm. And that's the thing. She's a bigger girl, but she still has this like very European face. She's white. She still has a very European face, a very idealized mainstream face. Her face is very slim still. You know, yes, yeah, she's bigger, but is she experiencing being a bigger girl as many others do? No. So we still have that idealized version of, of you know, size, of color and, and things like that within fashion and what we see like in magazines and tabloids and whatever. I don't think we can escape it is my, is my point. No, I think you're right. I think it's something that we just have to be aware of. I think that going forward, it's mm-hmm. something we just all have to be aware of, that it happens and just to sort of catch yourself in those yeah. moments of being like, is that what I'm meant to be like? And then just remember, these celebrities have a trainer at home. They have a very different work schedule to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not a nine to five. They've got a chef. Mm-hmm. They've got all sorts that makes them look a certain way. But also, fashion can look good on any size. For sure. Like yeah. it might, it might be like we said that, yeah, okay, fashion brands change designs, but there are also probably designs that look better on a curvy body than look better on a stick body. Mm-hmm. For sure. So just like relish in that is sort of, you know, different styles suit different shapes and just celebrate that that's what you can own. Yeah. That's actually a point. I mean, like a bodycon cotton pretty little thing dress is not fashion you know that's not style that's just like I'm gonna wear something that's tight because look at my body when you talk about real fashion and real styling it's like the clothes are supposed to shape 
is supposed to create the shape and the curves and the lines. That is fashion and putting things together in an exciting, dynamic way. That is fashion. It doesn't make you stylish because you've worn an all beige outfit from, you know, and there's not an inch or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think fashion industry can be blamed for all of it, but it's definitely a vehicle in which we like idealize ourselves. And I think for that reason, we'll never get rid of this one size ideal. For sure. And actually one of the articles I read before we did this was saying that we can't just blame fashion. We get it from every direction, Mm. even in storytelling. And they said that even in sort of Roald Dahl books, which is what I definitely grew up reading, that the, the heroines were slim and the baddies, the villains were fat. Mm -hmm. And that is a, point in storytelling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is used as a vehicle and you know fashion isn't the only reason for that absolutely not it's a societal problem as well Mm -hmm. um but fashion can play their part like they have a lot of countries have banned models like being a certain weight Mm. um and obviously there's laws on ages and stuff like that yeah um but yeah I think I think it's a societal thing that we just have to be aware of definitely got anything else you want to add on top of that but the human body's phenomenal yeah yeah. celebrate it you know and women go through a lot so just like respect your body is sort of my parting words I should take my own advice so (laughs) yeah yeah I think like my my final piece of advice is that although I love fashion I love to look at it I love all the nonsense that comes with it I think the most important thing you can do for yourself is like advocate for yourself do not put yourself down there is enough of that in the world not saying I'm a perfect person or that you're a perfect person or whatever but you don't add value and quality to your life by being harsh on yourself by Mm. really fickle things such as like you know Apparently. I don't have yeah I have a double chin I have a double chin all the time everyone but, but you know in, in an angle and I tell you something it's never held me back in life maybe it's added something maybe it's added a chin or two in my life I don't know <laughs> um but yeah that's how I just approach the whole ideal of one size fits all mm. yeah. and, and it doesn't we all look different for a reason well, thanks, guys, for listening to our episode. I hope you enjoyed our kind of two cents on the topic of sizing, fashion, ideals, beauty standards. Um, we're going to put a poll out. Um, not sure what that's going to be. Scarlett's going to have to think. <laughs> but if you if you ever have um, other topics that you want us to touch on and cover in one of our episodes, don't be a stranger reach out to us and send us a message because we're always covering them um but yeah i've been mem and i've been scarlet and see you next week guys
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.